Hi, this is Owen here. Just wanted to let you know that in the last half hour or so, Thomas's audio gets a little bit weird. I think it must have been due to internet connection or something, and there wasn't much I could do, so just giving you a heads up, and hope you enjoy. What are we doing here? Let's forget our existential dread and grab another beer. Like we've been doing it for years And after all it's neither there nor here Is that good? 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 Is that one thing I was going to say was, I don't know if you want to like release, do, like know that idea we had to release a few together? Yeah. And if we should like record a wee thing now to put at the start of them. Oh yeah, I get what you mean, like our intro, like kind of... You know, just to be like, oh, these were recorded a while ago kind of thing. Yeah, we can do that if you want, that makes sense. Rather than, well, and if they're really up to date, we can be like, these ones are really up to date. Yeah. Yeah, because... I was looking at it, there's kind of like, there's one, and then there's one that we did, like, there's like the drunk cast and the hangover cast. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. we, could do like, we could put them out as two separate things, because one's like nearly an hour, like the hangover cast is like 15 minutes anyway, I think, so it's like pretty much a full one anyway. So you could put yeah, out like the drunk and the hangover, and then the other one before that, I just put them out together, so we could just record something now, being like, oh, these are recorded. Oh yeah, these are recorded like previously, or whatever they were, like a month ago yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. Then we could even continue on after that with like this is like a newest one. If or if we, you know, we'll figure it out. Well, no, I'll I'll just if we if it's just me and you talking, and then I'll edit this part out, and then we'll start this podcast, this episode properly. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. Okay. So. So. Uh, and action. <laughs> we have the drunk cast, and then the hangover cast. You, there was you, another one before that, uh, um, but yeah, the the last time we recorded was August, and it's now uh, what October. month is it again? October. <laughs> October. How does time yeah. work? I forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so we we decided a while ago that we were going to put a load out together or like a few out at the same time. So I think we're going to kind of do so that. Probably now. hearing that, hearing those now, or mm-hmm. you will be hearing those if you keep listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and this is a continuation from our uh, our mid season break. <laughs> yeah, these these ones were all ones that we uh, were able to get together and record in person because it was a summer and things were looking up. But uh, now it's October and things are looking shit again. Yeah. So enjoy. <laughs> so as everyone goes back into lockdown, I guess. I hope you will be listening more or again, yeah. you know, it kind of just started in lockdown and there was four people in lockdown. I suppose we kind of took a break as we were partying all summer and now it's back to lockdown. So here yeah, you so go. Here, <laughs> I can listen to some uh, nostalgia for that great summer we had. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't too bad in all fairness. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. What was going on? Could be a lot worse. Yeah. Anyway. Good luck. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> sure, even if it's like we can 
record another one if need to be, but sure, I'm sure it'll be fine anyway. I'll get something usable out of that anyway. Right. Just even like just alter all the voice bits into different sounds and noises and just <sighs> slap her on. <laughs> um so yeah, I suppose now we start the actual Yeah. Yeah, so as we were just talking Yeah, last time we recorded was August. Mm. Lovely, yeah. lovely August. Yeah. <laughs> I miss you, August. <laughs> how, I, how I miss a flat curve in August. <laughs> uh, um, somehow October. And I was not able to go home this weekend because Donegal is in level four and I'm in yeah. enhanced level three and we're probably going to be yeah. in level five in like two days. <laughs> yeah, so we're back. Uh, uh Lockdown two electric lockdown blues two electric bigger blues. <laughs> <laughs> I was chatting with Patty last night and he didn't mean to, but he like he said uh I everything was in meltdown and I was like, Yeah, actually that's a good that's a better term. Not lockdown, meltdown. Back into meltdown. <laughs> no, no, I think I think the country's in lockdown, but the people are in meltdown. In meltdown. Yeah. Because yeah. like I was uh yeah, I was up, went, returned some books to the library yesterday and then I was like asking, I was like, are you closing? Because they were open in like a a capacity where you could order the book online and then you could go in and they would like have it um, have it ready for you now. Yeah, like, like, like a pickup service. Like... Yeah, I went to the library like, oh, was that a couple of weeks ago? And it was, it was, it was cool. Like you uh, ordered online and then got a phone call being like, your stuff's in and went down and it was like, Came in a wee bag with my name on it and all. It's like <laughs> or, already checked onto my card and everything. <laughs> That's class. That's actually yeah. such, such such a good service. Like it's actually such yeah, a good. Yeah. Yeah. So like it was already on my card, so I didn't even have to give them out or anything. It was just really like efficient, and I was like, oh, this is pretty sweet. Because yeah. like when they called, I was like, oh yeah, I can come down later. So it was all ready for me. Oh, that's perfect. So I was that's hoping class. maybe. I was hoping maybe, even though we're going to lockdown, you know, because there's there's no difference to them really. It's just one person behind like. You know, like you don't even go into the building; you just go to the door. Yeah. So it's I, like, I was like, it's, it's, it's uh, like a takeaway, like which is yeah, pretty open. much. Yeah. So, that's exa- that's actually it's probably even like safer than a takeaway. Yeah. Like, <laughs> less interaction, like. Yeah, it was easy enough. But, it was um, easy enough to give like the books a wipe to make sure there's no COVID on yeah. them. Like. Yeah, they have the returns book at the door too, so you just leave it. They probably just check it after. They probably check it like they probably leave it overnight and then just check them in the morning. Yeah, just wipe them down. Be yeah. easy enough to do, like. But uh, yeah, so I, I went and returned some books and asked them, hope, hoping that maybe they would still be open. That'd be handy. It'd be, yeah, because it'd be a great service. That'd be great for just like even people to get out of the house. Yeah, because you know, instead of just going to shop, because shops for a while, like when I remember during lockdown, shops are so stressful. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it isn't like you can't just go and browse shop. You feel like you have to go in and go out. And there's, there can be lots of people or people around you. But like that sounds like that could be relaxing. Plus, you get the whole kind of thrill of like, oh, sweet. No, that's that book I wanted to read. Yeah, you well, know? like that's it. Like we kind of need the books to keep us sane. Like there's only so much TV and banana bread <laughs> that you can yeah. like watch and make. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Books are just better for the noggin in general. Yeah. But, but um. But like it's a good solitary activity that's like rewarding. It's actually the perfect thing for lockdown, really. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I found out they were closing. So then I ended up going to, up to Universal Books and bought four books <laughs> 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 to keep me going. 
Unreal. But uh, yeah, it What'd was like get? I got a American Psycho. Uh, oh, nice. got Farewell to Arms by Hemingway and yeah. Breakfast of Champions by Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, and oh, I got nice. uh, Alan de Botton, Constellations of Philosophy. That's he's oh, the guy cool. that does a uh, School of Life. If you watch that YouTube channel, I'm not. Yeah, but let's hear about it. You have actually, because <laughs> I sent you the video on Spinoza. Oh yeah, well yeah, probably have through you. Like, but I suppose I'm, um, I'm going to assume that you've done more of like a deep dive than say I would have. Uh, I don't know if I deep dive, but I've been following them for a while. Yeah, but yeah, mm. that uh, Spinoza, that was from them. They're actually the last. <clears throat> like, sometimes they're I don't get much out of their videos. I'm like, ah, it's okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, that one I, I was like, this is a really good video. I watched it. I think I watched it at least one more time after that, mm. and then like. I know there's another one they did recently that was really good too. I don't know. I think maybe they've upped their game recently or something. Yeah, they might have just oh, well, they might have just figured out how to get better. I think it's more I think it might be more of like uh there's only so much you can do. I think it's kinda of the other like they probably they've covered so much it's kinda of hard to come up with new good ideas. Yeah, that's quite true, yeah. Because they've been going for a long time. That can happen. Because they even uh, they did that video on Spinoza, but then I looked up, they did an older video on like Spinoza specifically. That was like on one element of his philosophy where they did another video just on him. Yeah, on like this was the man behind the philosophy kind of thing. But um, yeah, because I went, so I went out of Universal Books because I was like, ah, need some books, may as well. Like they, I knew they were going to be closing for the month as well. So I was like, fuck it. Yeah, give them a bit of support too. They were saying that they sell, they sold like <laughs> loads of books that day as well. Everyone <laughs> had the same idea. Just like going yeah, and up. I don't, I don't, that would have brought a smile to your face. So you'd be glad to hear that. Like, yeah, just, I suppose just I don't know for anybody listening, you know that Universal Books is like a small like uh, secondhand bookshop in our town. Like that's also yeah. really a part of the town. It's been there for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Like. And I'm 27. Universal so. Records as well. and That's right. I remember that actually. Yeah. <laughs> and then when CDs and all this was one out the window, they had to up the game to books. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they had both for a while. They had Universal Records on Universal Books. Mm. And then they kind of. I think they, they they probably still do or would sell any records. Like if oh, yeah, they do. Them, like, they definitely do. Like, do you remember there being two? Or am I wrong? I, I do remember definitely Universal Records and Universal Books, but I feel like it definitely was both at the time. Yeah, there was both, and then like, one, and then they just became one. Yeah, yeah, but I, I feel but yeah. like even though they became one, I'm pretty sure they were just they were the same person. But then he was just like, yeah, yeah, no, they were, oh. they were, but they just, I think they had books in one shop and records in another. Now it's all together in the one. Oh yeah, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I remember that. Yeah, it was two separate places, but I think it was still always like the same person. But like then they were just yeah, like, yeah, wow. but yeah, we're saying it's like a we. Um... Yeah, it's kind of part of the community, and mm. like, like you know, you're happier if people go there than like the Easons in town, like yeah, because like that's an Easons, like that's probably. Like... And you were saying they they're secondhand, but they they started doing new stuff as well, like the um, American Psycho, Farewell to Arms, and Breakfast of Champions. They're all new books, and they do Class. like uh, they're like they do a, a good wee deal, so they're seven euro each, but then you get three for a fiver. That's real. 
And then the other, the other book I got was a five or sorry, three for 15. So five reach is what I meant. And then the other mm. book was a five as well. So I got four books for 20 quid, which is pretty fucking sweet. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's class. You wouldn't get that on book depository. Yeah, because it wouldn't. And that's usually pretty cheap. <laughs> that's that's yeah, where I get all my shit anyway. So like, yeah, it's really good. Like, mm. you can get a lot of good books in book depository, but you don't get a lot of good deals now, do you? <laughs> Yeah. Um, they, they apparently always have sales but i don't i think that's just like a false thing where they actually don't always have sales it's just usually like that's the price they want for it yeah <laughs> but it is handy yeah although i noticed sometimes i was looking up on amazon sometimes their prices are cheaper but then you have to in, incorporate like add on uh delivery so it's like i don't know yeah, but isn't like Book Depository like in some way affiliated with Amazon as well? Well, Amazon bought them, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that. What the fuck doesn't Amazon own like between? So I think, but I think maybe if you're if you're like buying enough books to go over, so you don't have to pay delivery fee on Amazon, you might actually be better using Amazon. Yeah. If you know, so it makes sense. Get that next day delivery with Prime. Get a wee drone to your house from Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> Any more news? Bought some books. Been it's, doing some reading. It's nice. All the huge. What about you? Um, kind of same. Early shift this week. Kind of just getting ready to move. And the car broke down on Tuesday and I had to get a rental car. Oh, what? Good shit. But however, I do think this is funny. My rental car was a 192, which is like 10 years newer than my own car. And I was like, this is just mean. Like, I wanted just another <laughs> car of my year. Like, this car is too nice for me to drive. <laughs> but, um,. Apart from all that, yeah, I haven't been doing much uh, really. Apart from like going to work towards reading, I'm a, I'm almost finished actually. Murakami's Size of the Border, West of the Sun, and I've started like the first chapter of that one you gave me, the Star of the Sea. Oh, yeah. Um, um, so I'm kind of gonna like try and the Murakami one's only 187 pages, but it's very like I feel like I can talk about this. I don't want to talk about the other one yet until I'm either like halfway through or like further through to then talk about it yeah. with you, if you know what I mean. Um, geez, Murakami is just unreal at making like almost boring or mundane life kind of somewhat poetic. Like, yeah, he's right. Like this really this nice one's thing. all about him. This is well, it's not about him. This one is all about the main character growing up as like an only child. And like, I'm gonna guess since like 60s Japan, which is apparently it was at the time he's like the only only child he knows, except for this one other girl, Shen Moto. And then he like they you know they drift apart. He grows up. Gets a wife, has two kids, then she comes back into his life. They met at 12, or they last seen each other at 12, and she shows up at 37, and it's just kind of him reconnecting with an old childhood friend. But, like, it's just it's very, very good. Like, just even the way he's talking. Like, he chats about, like, the first kind of experience he had with a girl was, like, with her, and they just held hands for, like, 10 seconds, and he never forgot it. It's so sweet and innocent. <laughs> and then, you know, he goes to, like, teenage years, and he gets a lot less, not, like, even a lot less, like, not, like, vulgar or anything. But um, one thing I did find funny is I know that in real life, uh, Hurricane Murakami was the manager of a jazz bar in Tokyo at 29. And like okay. he talks about jazz a lot in his, book, in his books and stuff. And then he just got an idea one day and he went and he, over the course of nine months, wrote his first book. And that's actually how he started writing. He was just like, fuck it, I've got an idea for a book. And he went and wrote a book. But in this uh, book, the main character at 37 is the manager of two jazz bars. But what I know from working in service, what I find hilarious is there's a lot of parts where he's chatting about being a manager and he's like, he's he's always good at like paying, he always pays his staff, he pays his staff well, he's good at like picking staff and stuff like that. But he chats a lot about just sitting at a bar reading a book or like just like doing nothing in his bars. And I'm like, 
some kind of manager you are anyway <laughs> typical manager <laughs> like it's like, it's, it's like so many managers like uh, it's just like you know work really hard i'm good to my staff and everything and he's like i sat down and like was, was reading this at work today and it's like just be managing these bars like is this what you didn't realize were you actually just pure lazy but um i was I thought that was cool i thought it was interesting that like just it's kind of set in, like a 1970s japan i don't know it's not like it's not like a big part of dory i suppose except maybe for kind of the culture if you know what i mean i feel like it's kind yeah. of a cool cool window into that the kind of culture of what i'd imagine or like i don't know because i've you know, never been to japan especially in the 1970s. So like kind of the way that might, might've been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's always, that's why I like reading those kind of books where like it's set in the past and you just get this, like it's such a more like direct feeling insight into what it's like than just reading about the facts of what it's like. Yeah. It's like you get a feel for the time. Yeah. Like, like I actually find that that was very, that's what I find with, the the Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead. When I read that, I felt like I could really feel like the South of America in the sixties. At like like so that like when this is going on, it's like the prime of the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King Jr. But this is also like a South, the kind of like deeper South. So yeah, that may be going on in America, but that's not really going on in this part of America. So it's, you kind of get a good sense yeah. of like he can see the main character who's black, like who's really like inspired Martin Luther King Jr., which makes sense like, look into this guy, but, like, he doesn't have this in his time. You know, he can't... You know, there is a black community, but it's they can't exactly go march, marching, and then sometimes there is, like, the protests and stuff, kind of, or, like, that's not really a big part of it, the protests or anything, it was kind of more in the background. But you do get a feel of what it was like, and he's also very good at explaining what it's like in very humid weather and heat or something. <laughs> you know, you get a whole sense of that, the time, the atmosphere, the climate, everything. Yeah. Well, that's that's why I like the Star of the Sea as well. It's the same some same kind of thing. Like, mm. well, like Nickel, just... Nickel Boys is sorry, sorry to Nickel Boys is historical fiction as well. Yeah. You're saying you're getting into that. Well, I have been for a while. Kind of, I just mm. kind of fell into. It. I didn't even realize it was a genre. Yeah. But <laughs> like, I was like, because I was just kind of myself calling it like historical fiction. I was like, oh wait, that is actually what it's called. But uh, yeah, like. There's just uh like even more so than a, a movie or whatever. Like when you're reading it and you're, especially if it's in like a f- first person perspective and you're, you can kind of feel what they were feeling and everything. It's like, it's just a really nice way to like learn about history. I think. Yeah, I think so. Like I felt that as well when I was listening to Trevor Noah's Born a Crime because obviously he lived through it and it's his personal experience. Rather than, as you're saying, like facts about apartheid, like, you know, the fact of apartheid was that, you know, they separated blacks and whites and they discriminated blacks. It's like, you, like that's a very well-known fact. That's what it was. Yeah. But then you hear him, like, talking about walking around the street or not being allowed in certain areas. And it just gives yeah, you a different you sense really of what it's like. Experience. Yeah, yeah, like, it reminds me of a, a, a quote I heard from uh, Ernest Hemingway and he was talking about, like, the goal for when you're writing should be that the person reading it should forget whether they would they just read it or if they actually experience it themselves like it should be like where you uh you can't even remember if like if it's a real memory or not and i was like that's pretty interesting i think i think it was my dad told me something before about that as well about how like you can you can 
you can like forget you you could have read a book like whenever you were a kid like i read the hobbit loads when i was a kid but i haven't read it in years so i couldn't tell you the first sentence or anything like that i still remember the gist of the story actually maybe it's about that but like say if you read a book and you really enjoyed it, but it's been years I suppose he's like you know 67 he's not older than us so he might have read a book he could have read a book that he remembers like 40 years ago and he can still kind of remember sort of how he felt about the book but not even remember the book itself Does that, if you get what i mean there's like yeah. that there's like an imprint of like the experience of reading the book that yeah, well, would have, would have left like, something on him as well but yeah yeah that's like um i was actually watching a video today on uh you know coco the pixar movie yeah and he was talking about how the there's a scene in it where like um or the kid in it plays a wee tune for the grandmother. She's Coco, is she? I think I actually haven't company. seen it, so I don't know. I can't remember, but I think he said that the granny was the one called Coco, which I had forgotten. Mm. <laughs> but uh, she like comes out of this like stupor and she like starts remembering things. And then he was saying like, "This is actually a thing that happens," and that's and what's actually happening whenever music triggers memory and people with like dementia and stuff is it's going to that emotional center. It's passing bypassing the. I can't no logic remember. and stuff. I can't remember the names of the different. Um, There's probably like your frontal brain. lobe or cortex, or yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Like, I can't, and I, I wouldn't off the top of my head, but it's bypassing yeah. so like the frontal yeah, lobe go to and the cortex or something. Yeah, it's like that. bypassing all like the, the the normal parts of memory, but it's triggering the emotional place, which is like what your dad is saying. It's like the, our emotions are like they become more hard hardwired. So once you can like uh, start. Um, like um interacting with them it's like you can un- unlock all these new memories was yeah that, like it, did, I, did i talk to you about that uh album by uh care the caretaker oh i don't think so i watched a video on it it's hectic Why? <laughs> <Right. laughs> uh just let me just get this uh get the name of it up here Everywhere at the end of time is the name of the album, mm. and it's like uh, six six and a half hours, <laughs> and it's in six stages, mm. and it's about like that. The whole album is about that experience of like making of like someone losing their memories and everything. So the first Oof. the first stage is he like made all this music. It sounds like music from like the um. What year? What did it be? Like the fifties or something, maybe, or maybe earlier. All that kind of like swing ragtime, like old jazzy yeah, kind of stuff. So it's like, and that's kind of like the first step. It's like he made all this stuff, so it's like familiar, but you can't quite place it. So that's mm. almost like the first, the first layer of disintegration. It's like, oh, this is familiar, but I don't know if I've heard it before. And then like each stage after that, it's like something. Sometimes you the song, like it's, it's like basically, so it's, it's basically repeating that album again, but it's like more distorted and stuff so like the next time maybe a song will stop a little bit abruptly or it'll skip or just go to silence for a bit and it's like each stage has become more and more like unrecognizable as it goes on but there's a really good video of a guy like he he decided to to give himself a day where he listened to the whole album it's like i'm because he was like i feel like i need to like properly experience this i can't just like put it on i want i want to like uh, engage with it properly so he gives himself a day and he listens to the whole six and a half hours and then puts his experience in a video so you can kind of get the get it yourself like and he says it's just like fucking 
ridiculously like emotional and moving. I think there's even a you know uh, Anthony Fantano, the guy from the Needle Drop. Do you know the Needle Drop? Yeah, I've heard the name before. Sorry, you were cutting out a bit there. You kind of got, I think, most of what you were saying, but you kind of kept cutting out every couple of words there for a second. Great. <laughs> you seem to be back now, though. You're saying needle drop. Go on, explain that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, did you hear what I was saying about the guy watching, or he listened to the whole album and then recorded the video, and he said it's really emotional? No, I, I kind of got bits of that, but then I didn't hear it was like a separate guy. I thought it was the guy that made it. Okay. Uh, okay, I'll try again. So yeah. a guy, a guy, uh, like he decided to put a day aside to listen to the whole album and really get the experience of it. Mm. And he then he made a video so you can kind of get the experience in like a twenty minute video, which is nice of him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also gives you an idea if you want to maybe try and give yourself, you know, your yeah. fourth trying to set around set, set aside to six and a half hours. Yeah. And I think like uh, I think there's a foot there's footage somewhere on Anthony Fantano from the Needle Drop, like listening to it on a stream or something and crying and everything. Oh, but wow, it's like on amazing. the last on the last stage, like, everything's like nothing's recognizable. It's pretty much just silence. But then in the very last like minute or something, a wee melody breaks through from like the first the first stage. And it's just like supposed to be this amazingly emotional moment. And it and that that is what it's like when you've got dementia. It's like the music that you is like hardwired into your youth. That just like that's the only thing that makes sense when your brain is at like it's the only thing that can kind of punch through because as you're saying it's still like so that's kind of interesting because it shows that like the emotional kind of core that we can hold to things yeah. we can hold to anything which we can hold to like a book obviously or to music as well which is really big because like there's always like music defines a generation yeah. and music can define you and all well, that but that's, like, that's that kind of interesting how, in, how indestructible that seems to be well it's not even indestructible but how that's the, the that's the spear that can penetrate the kind of yeah like this, the video I watched today, uh, where they use Coco, that's a channel called Sideways, they're very good as well, like mm. a music YouTube channel. But he went into explaining why that happens, and he was saying, like, which I'm sure you've heard before, but it's like whenever mm. you're in your teens, that kind of music is the music that you'll listen to the, for the rest of your life. Yeah, he was, he was saying it's like, uh, the way your brain wires itself, and especially when you're a teenager and you're more susceptible to these things, like, that's why you're more susceptible to like. You know, if you drink or take drugs, you're more susceptible to becoming addicted. Mm. He was saying, like, your brain, the reason that you, like, kind of get addicted to food, for example, is because your brain is like, oh, this is pleasurable and I need it. Therefore, your brain goes, okay, that's really good to make you seek these things out that are good for your survival. Yeah. So whenever you're at that age and you hear a song that, like, has this amazing emotional like resonance with resonance you. with you your brain goes that's class <laughs> and then it goes listen to that again <laughs> and then like and then it goes yeah because like, i would have noticed that you know whenever you're a teenager you would have like sometimes if you find a song that you loved and you listen to it yeah to death which you can still kind of do now but you'd still even more pace yourself even i don't know if it's like maturity but if you love a song you might not like but whenever you're a teenager you might be like yeah no I, I, haven't repeat, within, like, I haven't done that with individual songs since i was a teenager yeah like yeah, because like even now, if you were to listen to a song like repeatedly, you probably at least have two or three in between. Like that, you know yeah. what I mean? You're gonna at least have some. Yeah, whenever you're a teenager, you could be lying in bed at night listening to like the same song for like the same three minute song for like an hour before you go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, just proper like this. Like that's so great. Like that. Oh, people, 
I just don't understand. And you get drunk and you show everybody about 20 times and you force <laughs> people to listen to it. Like, be like, oh, have you not heard the song? It's like, yeah, Thomas, you showed me about 20 times. Like, yeah, but listen yeah, to it again. Thomas, think, another, think this this. again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like fucking, what is it? What's the Free song? Or... No, Blue Monday, isn't it? That's the one in like, oh, um, yeah. Blue Monday. Like, where do you hear this? Like, this is fucking, I remember I was saying that to, to somebody the other day and they were on about like do you mean like that song that's like from like that's from like the 90s or something isn't it or like possibly even 80 i think 80s, 80s actually. I think. the 80s and they were like because Ke- i remember kelly chatting about before she being in a room and a guy busting at a party pure fucked obviously mean like would you hear this song and everyone's gonna be like what do you mean that song was like 30 years old <laughs> it's not like it's fucking like, brand, I, I do brand new. it's like are you even having a session no one puts on blue monday like yeah <laughs> Because it's like the most stereotypical one. It just has to go on at some point, like (laughs) yeah, like six in the morning, and everyone's like, (laughs) (laughs) ah. But yeah, so it's basically saying that's why you don't like that's why your taste becomes so rooted because like once your brain goes class and it gets that reward all the time, it like it's like why would I bother listening to anything else? It's like I can just listen to this and get that same feeling over and over again. Yeah, uh, yeah, like it's a, it's almost like a like an inherent laziness. It's like why go searching for something when it's right here in front of you? And actually I just realized that's why like there's an album that I always listen to if I'm like it's like this is from uh, a much more recent album I think it came out maybe three years ago. Three or, three or four years ago um but at the time it like really helped me through like an emotional period and now anytime i need like a, i've i've every time i'm like i need emotional support i like put on that album and i get the same thing and i just realized yeah. i just realized in talking to you that that's that's what's happening it's because i've made this emotional connection and my brain is going okay <laughs> that gives you that feeling now when you really need it and it's like oh. that that makes sense because like i suppose for me out of a recent album like out of not in my teenage years was you actually showed me elsie by the horrible crows when mm. i was in hospital with uh cancer. Oh, that's weird i listened to that recently oh really <laughs> like that's, that's actually it? one that one i would turn back to because you always told me that isn't it brian fallon said like this is like nighttime music yeah yeah and whenever I like couldn't uh, sleep a lot in the hospital because you'd just show me that album, like, and obviously I love the Gaslight Anthem. I at least listen to that album a lot in hospital, and like when I was completely like alone at like three in the morning, I couldn't sleep, and uh, that would be like one for me. That'd be like out of out of recent memory, like you know what I mean. You have your teenage yeah. years one, but out of recent memory, that would probably be it for me. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's nice. It's perfect nighttime music. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's just <laughs> yes. very like sparse, and he he sings kind of quietly and stuff like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not, there's no Quite like intimate sounding. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Intimate's probably the best way to put it. But yeah, that's what that's what that video I watched sideways was explaining that, like, once you have those, once it becomes like emotionally associated, then it's like so more ingrained in your memory. And that's exactly what's happening when someone remembers music from their childhood and they have dementia because it's going to that part, that part of your brain, it still seems to survive even when you have like dementia or whatever yeah like that's almost that is interesting because i do remember seeing a video before and it was very touching and it was this old man and they showed him like the like as you're saying yeah, song from his youth they, and he started that crying clip. i think they used that just... clip or they used that clip of an old man but i'd never seen it like he he really went into like the explanation of it which i hadn't i didn't know about before interesting it's very interesting like how they can get so ingrained in us yeah. Like you know, you know, 
like that's like guess what I'm saying is like that's the unbreakable part or the unpenetrable part or the only thing that can penetrate the what seems to be unbreakable which is dementia. Like yeah. that's insane. How the hell did we get onto this? <laughs> um, I don't know because I remember we were talking. About, I remember we were talking about books. We were talking about Murakami. Yeah. Oh, and we're then, talking about historical fiction. And then that's right, historical fiction. Yeah. And then after a series of tangents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even like historical fiction, that's a pretty big stretch as well. <laughs> you know, that's pretty. I'm proud of us for somehow linking those two together. But anyway. Yeah. Um. I think. Um, I was gonna actually I was gonna say about historical fiction. Funnily enough, one of the most, I suppose, kind of the most famous like works of historical fiction, or at least one of the most famous of this author, of course, Philip K. Dick. As I actually quite like, um, yeah. <laughs> listening to the, <laughs> listening to the Glass Cannon podcast, they have uh, one guy who. Oh uh, yeah, he really likes yeah, he really likes them too, which of course I like. But they called it dick pics, and I was like, I can't believe I never fucking thought of that. That's <laughs> but, right. It, it becomes like a, he keeps bringing them up or something, and they they're they're on about yeah, yeah, they have, segment. Yeah, whenever they have a segment, he brings it up. He has, he has his dick pics. But I was going to say, uh, the man mm-hmm. in high high castle is historical fiction because that's about the Axis winning the war. I had to think there who were the allies and who were the Axis. That's what they. I suppose. No, it actually is classified, but just again, I think. But I always thought, like, it's not really historical fiction. It's yeah, not. Like, it's alternative. more alternate reality, but like yeah, it was alter- alternative history is what I would call well, it. Maybe, but at least I know at least was sorry. It was originally billed as like science fiction and historical fiction, which was like that's mm. kind of was possibly one of the reasons maybe why it got popular at the time. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it is kind of both of them together, which makes it not historical fiction. But I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> Yeah, I call it like alternative was... history, but I suppose alternative history is those two things combined, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. Is like I don't think it's alternate, or it could have been like, but it wasn't like marketed as alternative history at the time. Yeah. It was marketed as historical fiction, which I kind of like the idea of someone picking it up, being like, "Ah," oh. and then oh, wait a minute, right? <laughs> 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 What's this pure fucking mad story? <laughs> Right, this is going to be a good segue for me to go to the toilet again. I've drank too much wine tonight. Oh I'll my be right god! Back. <laughs> I better go too. <laughs> yeah. Race. Hello. Hello, dear. <laughs> Actually, fucking started me a wee bit. I didn't think you were there for a second. <laughs> Damn. That reminds me of uh, something I've been watching recently. Actually. Oh, what have you been watching? Uh, well, it's just a YouTube uh, channel, but he's been doing a series on the Goodwill Hunting, and he's a counselor, so he's been like analyzing all the therapy scenes from Goodwill Hunting one at a time. Class, can I before you go on? Yeah. Can I say one funny thing about Goodwill Hunting to do with me? Mm, I'll allow it. I have tried to finish that movie five times. I've actually, honest to God, sat down to watch it five times, and every single time something has happened that has caused me to stop watching it. <laughs> How far I've never. I've literally I've gotten about like three quarters in before, but like I've like I know a good the most part of that movie because I've seen it almost five times. But just like there was like like twice was in the Grove, and about like one day, like both days, like fucking five or six people showed up at one time. 
you know, you can't continue watching. Yeah. And there was another time something else happened. Another time something else I was like, God damn it, I need to finish that movie someday. But I know like the first three quarters like really well. I feel like it was before <laughs> for some reason. Oh really? Well, I probably have told you it before. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before. Well, no, I think we. Were, I feel like we were, we were talking about like uh, whenever you you don't finish a movie and then it's so hard to go back to. That's yeah. true. That's probably it. Yeah, but like I always made a point because I really every time I've watched good any part of Good Will Hunting, I've really enjoyed it. It's very good, yeah. And just the fact as well, I always love whenever you watch movies because that was like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon's like first one, wasn't it? And they kind of like did it themselves. Yeah, I think so. That's where they started. Kind of, and now they're massive. Yeah. Yeah, massive. Yeah, it, they, it is actually mad how, how how big they are now. When you think when you look back, Damon was not. Did you? But yeah, it's cool. Uh, sorry, sorry, you want to really, Oh yeah, I was just gonna say about the series. It's really cool. It's like you realize. It's like I thought it was really good anyway, and then like seeing how. It's like how good it actually is. It's like wow. It's kind of like yeah, whenever you whenever you kind of get like almost like a technical aspect to it, like. Yeah. If you know, like. It's always cool because I know what was it you were saying? Oh, yeah, it was like you saying recently to me off off air. Mm-hmm. I believe as we say in the biz, off, and off mic. that you off mic. Um, that you were chatting about how you were like looking up. You sent me that guy Jerry Jenkins, the reading tech, the sorry, the writing techniques, and how there's someone you'd been using anyway. Oh, yeah. And you were like, oh, this is nice to know that like it's it's a it's, it's a good it's a good thing to do, <laughs> which is nice. But you can you can naturally learn how to do something that's been done before, and then you find out that like. Oh, this is the way like professionals or people do it. Yeah, so. well, it was like the I re- I watched the one on who's talking about how to like write sh- short stories, mm. and it's like stuff he was saying about like oh you know it's good to you should really like try and you know there's no point in going for a novel or whatever it's like learn short stories first. I I, I know Grant Morrison. Um, he's the he's a very very big comic book writer, and he was. Uh, like like he's he's massive. He's like an industry legend now. And but he started off would have been in like British comics because he's Scottish and would have been like two thousand AD and other stuff. And there's a thing that used to be in British comics and still like, I think it's still a term in the comic industry called a future shock. And a future shock is a four page story at max, and that story mm-hmm. has to be complete in four comic book pages. Like that. That's uh, it. Yeah, I I remember, like, yeah, I remember seeing those in comics. Like just we a wee like really quick kind of thing in the middle of a comic yeah and he was saying that that's how he learned how to write because he was like how do you because it's like you're putting yourself in something restrictive but then how do you write a good story in that and that's how you, and like that's what i mean he's one of like the industry legends that he yeah. figured out how to write he figured out how to write a story in four pages so he was like then also from that you figure out how to tell everything in one panel or half a page or a page and then he's like then yeah. you just figure out how to tell a longer form story because of that but there's yeah. there's an there's an awful lot of full novels that started off as like shorter stories, and they get made yeah. into it, or even like movies or TV shows that are based on books that they've had to like obviously, you know, fatten them up. Yeah, well, like Arrival <laughs> was a short story. Was it? Oh, that's right. It was written yeah. by the. That's right. It says it at the end, isn't it? I can't remember the name yeah. of the guy now. I can't remember either. I I think I ordered that book from the library though, mm. but not to wait a month. <laughs> I remember as well because the Secret Life of Walter Mitty is a short story, and I watched that movie and I read the short story. And the short story is very short, as far as I remember, like only like ten pages. That's one of those movies right. that I thought was a real like. I think still think that movie is a pure like hidden gem. Ben Stiller movie. It's just I don't know. I found it while yeah, I, I watched I watched it recently. Actually, it's pretty good. And then I watched yeah. uh, actually watched it recently. Lessons or 
like stories of old. He did a video on it about like maladaptive daydreaming, which is basically what that's about. Mm. It's like, have you heard that term, maladaptive daydreaming? I haven't, but I'm going to guess it's essentially just where you daydream yourself in like another life sort of is it or like it's to, deal, to deal with your life sort of or like, a, kind of... yeah it's almost like uh like chronic daydreaming <laughs> where it's like you instead of like like doing anything you end up like disappearing into a fantasy world and it can become like quite destructive you know but i, I think de- I brought de- up that... that was definitely me in school like i used to sit there yeah. and just have to have a continuing daydream for like most of the day like but yeah um I think I brought up that channel before, like Stories of Old, because he's very good at like, you know, combining those kind of things, like, like that's a psychological term, or like philosophy, but then like relate it back to, to like um, a me- uh, something like a book or a movie, like media that yeah. it's been kind of explored or used in. Yeah, I think actually last time I brought up the videos he did on uh, stoicism. He did like two videos on stoicism. One was in. Uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption and another one was on Gladiator I always find it uh, funny in a Shawshank Redemption as to I only know this because I actually haven't read it my brother has do you know why Red the character is called Red in the movie and, and in the book Rectal Bleeding he's a ginger Irishman <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> not rectal bleeding at all not, not, <laughs> not the rectal bleeding then <laughs> no, no, no close <laughs> Very close, <laughs> very close, almost there. Like you were one off. <laughs> it was one or the other. Like yeah, like yeah. I'm sure it was like a coin toss party. You're like, nah, it couldn't be a ginger Irishman. Must be rectal bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> this is when this is when all the listeners dropped off. Yeah, oh, oh, and this was the the last one. <laughs> Just when both our listeners stopped. Yeah. <laughs> what when me and you stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but um Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot because I've been still trying to get back into like writing some writing some of my longer stuff, but I keep trying to also sometimes if I can shorter stuff as well, because I do feel like that's like same as like learning to walk before you run. It's, yeah. Like, it really that's, is what, like, that's why I brought that up because he talks about in the short story video, it's like saying that you should do that. It's like, cause basically I had an idea for a novel, but I was like, I need to learn to like do the, the smaller version first. Yeah. And kind of what, like, cause like sometimes I'm like, why am I writing these things? And then, but I do feel like it, it basically is just cause I want to learn. Mm. Which I, like, I feel a, like I'm a bit overly okay. ambitious at times because of stuff like that. But I do sometimes try and break stuff up to be like, if you take almost a chapter as a short story or like, yeah. You know what I mean, or like you know, like a lot, you know, like a lot of books can be in like three parts. So it is the same yeah. story, but it's three because like the, the um the Nickel Boys is in three parts, and it is it is pretty much in like an intro, middle, and an end. But it's kind yeah. of like character. It's kind of like character set up to the Nickel Academy and the people there set up to like the conclusion of the the story. Yeah, well, that's kind of like that's why I was reading that uh Into the Woods book as well and the story structure, which I finished, it was very good. Mm. But like that's a good way to it's like it's a summer kind of thing. It's like you can like they talk about the fractal nature of storytelling. It's like the story will have a f- five act structure or it could be three act, but like basically it's three a, act a, structure is also a five act structure. Remember you saying that before, if you break down the three act, you can break down isn't it usually the second act yeah. into like three extra parts sort of 
Yeah. But then like each act is also a three a three part structure. So it's like it's he talks about in like um there's an inciting incident which usually happens at the end of act one. Mm. But if you look at act one, there's usually a minor inciting incident at the very start, and then that gets resolved, and then that becomes like and then and then there's a crisis point. And your crisis point in the story will happen at like the end of the second last act or the start of the last act. So your but your first act will also have a crisis point, and that's the inciting incident of the whole thing. So it's like this fractal nature. And then if you go to a scene, your scene should also follow this kind of like it's like everything is like the one form expanded outwards. So it's like like you're saying, it's like you divide it into parts, look at it in short yeah. stories. It's like you should be that is actually kind of how you should be doing it. Like each chapter should have these elements of the bigger. Yeah. And like if you and if you look deep enough, probably all stories will in some way, shape or form follow either that structure or a variation of that structure to a very yeah similar or some kind the of thing is you don't have to you don't have to think about it too much you say and like it's like i d- i did use it to structure that that uh short story i was working on and it, mm. it it really helped like clarify some things but like also oh. you can't like it's it's intuitive like there's re- the reason it's 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 so ubiquitous is not because everyone is like let's follow this structure it's because that it just is the satisfying way to tell a story yeah like it's like, fra- it's it's fractal. It's also a mirror image, usually, where like the you have the rising action to the midpoint, and then it de-escalates. But there's also ooh. like the thing that happens in the first like quarter will happen in the third quarter. Like there's a like it's just the way that, and you're saying too, like it might not happen the first draft, but then as you, as you're tweaking with it, you'll usually end up just making it more like that structure because you realize as you're editing that this is how it becomes more satisfying because you always fix it in the edit that's where you read that's if you read like i think if you read it like any writing thing that's what they always usually say is like get your first draft down but you'll fix yeah. any problems with your first draft and in like i can't remember what some like famous writer just said fix it with the rewrite that was a simple that was simple yeah. like his simple like motto was fix it in a rewrite but for the first draft it was just get it down get it on the paper because I remember yeah, even, like, like, Neil Gaiman Hemingway saying that. Was like, he was, oh, sorry. MMA too is like you, you write it and then you rewrite it and then you might even rewrite it again and then you edit it a couple of times. Yeah. Like, he is very... Uh, he was like all about... But that's his whole thing. It's like... You put it really nicely. It's like uh, powering down, not spreading out. Mm. It's like it's all about... Which is what I've been enjoying too because like, I finished that story I was writing... Mm. And like did the first pass of the edit anyway, but it's like it's really satisfying to be like to chip away all the the extra stuff that you ha- included the first time around and just get it like really like tight. It's like, it's like oh, yeah, yeah. like even e- even that guy we were listening to that guy Jerry Jenkins. If anybody's listening, you should look up some of the stuff if you're interested in writing. Owen just showed me uh, a video on dialogue, and that was really interesting. Yeah, it was, he was, uh, he, that he, that video was really helpful. It was very yeah, like I listened to it on the whole drive home, and I was like, "This is pure enthralled." I was saying, "Well, one, he had a great voice for narration." Yeah. I thought as well, which just helped. But like, as he was saying about like just like he was kind of saying like because he I can't remember the example off my head, but he was given an example of like uh, let's see if I can come up with one. It was like he said to them that they should go there, and then he would say something like he said, "Go there." You know, it's like the same thing being said with yeah. less words. How, like. like uh... Yeah, it's like 
you separate the action from the from the dialogue, so it's like, um, or yeah, he did the thing something like I'm beat. He said flopping down in the couch. Yeah, oh, that was like just, flopping down on the couch. Yeah, that was about like the expression, say, wasn't or, it? Yeah, or you can just say he flopped down the couch. I'm beat. You don't even have to say he said. It's like you can leave that out if you have the action that he did and then the words. It's like yeah, and you don't. It's not him explaining. I'm so tired. It's yeah. you know. It's not like it's not like which is like because what is it he said as well? Which is very much so. He was like have respect for your reader. It was yeah. like you know have like you know have enough confidence that the person read like you don't have to. You don't have to spell it out for them. Can... Yeah, that's something I've been conscious of, but it's like I don't know. I don't know if I've got the hang of it yet. It's like, it's like I'm writing something, and I as the story's unfolding, I know what's coming next, and I'm like trying to work out. It's like has the reader worked worked this out yet? Have I put enough in so they worked it out? So mm-hmm. then when I reveal it, I don't want to like spell it out. I want to like subtly reveal it. Yeah, uh, you, the, the, it's like, was it the thing? If a person's reading it, they should they should already know themselves without actually knowing. It's something like that. They should like whenever a, re- a reveal of like anything, like a twist or something happens, it shouldn't. It, there's there's a fine line between it should be surprising but expected at the same time. It should be inevitable. It should be inevitable it, but not obvious. Yeah, that's it. That's a far better way of putting it. Um. But um, yeah, because he, I think he mentioned stuff like that. So, which so, yeah, is like it's like every, every, by the time you get to the end, everything that's like been mentioned should, uh, like logically conclude in some way. But you also don't yeah. want it to be like really predictable. Yeah, you don't want it to just be for fine line. For for yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It is a fine line, and that's probably where like a lot of like the main skill comes in. Yeah, in that kind of a sense. But I was going to say, because I always remember that, like, Neil Gaiman said that when I went to see him at the National Literature Festival, and he was like, I still uh, don't even consider myself the best writer. I just consider myself as a very good editor. And yeah. he was like, he was saying that, like, he would consider himself that, like, so he was talking very much about that, of how, like, the f- first draft of, like, you know, you get it down, and you get it down. You just get down everything in your head, every possible yeah, like there could be, there's probably a lot of shit in there. But the thing is, is like you can always take that out. Yeah. You just need, to, but if you don't ever put it down, and it might not ever appear, so you could end up missing the good stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I am looking forward to when I move to my new place. I've got like a whole idea in my head of how I'm actually going to be able to form a routine more. Very nice. I'm going to try and use what was usually my commuting time as to being my more of like reading and writing time. Because that's still like, you know, I technically I'm taking away that part of my day still, but using it like more productively. And I'll also be less tired, so I feel like I can use it more productively. Nice one. Yeah. That, you probably should just edit that out. Just thinking. That's just me chatting to my friend. That's just me on, that's not me on a podcast. Huh? <laughs> so huh? you should edit all that out. That's me chatting to my friend. That's not me fucking chatting on a podcast. It's like, no one, no one cares. Uh- that's all right. <laughs> I was going to ask you what the crack is with like the with the moving and everything. Hmm. Uh, well, yeah, I should be moving um, uh, this time next week, really. I uh, just need to find somebody for my gaff here. But had a view and hopefully that'll go well. I've got Finian and Cormac on the job too. So hopefully in a week it'll all be set. Sweet. I've got the place and everything, so I'm all set up on that. Just trying to get rid of this place in Galway. Oh, is that what you're on about with the viewing? Is someone coming to view you, the gap you're currently in? Yeah. Oh, did you take it the other way? 
Yeah, I, I thought know. you were still. So you've got to play sorted. Okay, that's pretty. Yeah, I've got to play sorted. Yeah, fucking, it's, it's a wee granny flat at like the back of somebody's house, like for the garage, but it's nice. It's cozy. It's got a back boiler and a fire, and I just it's my own place. Mm-hmm. All all bills included. Uh, that's heating, electricity, bins, and internet for eight hundred quid a month, which isn't actually that bad for like for everything I'm getting. It's like it's actually a really really nice place. That's not so bad. Yeah. Looking forward to moving. Yeah, I'm just really kind of extra kind of. I was I was chatting to Kelly about this. I'm trying to use this. I think I've got a six month contract there, but I'll probably be like going to like a year with my contract of work. I'm gonna try and use that space as like a place of like personal growth. Mm. You, you know what I mean? Try and use it as a place to like read and to write. And I'll actually be able. I was thinking about it. I'll be able to actually take down my keyboard there, and actually have the space because it's my own space kind of put that up too and try and get back into playing a bit of music and stuff again you know try, like that's what i mean about like try and really my plan is to use that time so effectively yeah you know for myself and also teach myself how to play dungeons and dragons while playing by myself because i'm that <laughs> cool there is a there's actually a website that you can i don't know maybe you find this it's like you can do a wee uh a wee like um basically trial run if that makes sense it's like you just go on the it's like a a story and you just play it as if the the website is your dm and you like make decisions i must try that that's like an old text-based rpg then in a way um kind of but very simple it's just to give you more because i actually did look up oh i have an account on it i can't even remember the name of it now because there's actually a web there's a couple of websites but i think it's i think it's roll i roll 20 is the one that i'm involved in and that is is if you have friends and a story. So, for instance, you can actually buy, like, say, official Dungeons and Dragons or, or Pathfinder or Starfinder stories yeah. for online, and you can play with your friends. And what it is is that oh. you, one person is like a DM, and the other person, your friends, is like normal, and then you can all chat. But then, what you can do is you can put into like the chat function your rolls of the dice, and it'll like automatically do that for you in a part of your story. It's kind of like it's a it's like but it's the actual like it's the official Dungeons and Dragons or Starfinder or Pathfinder yeah. stories and things, but they're incorporated like digitally so that people can do it whenever they're separate and abroad. And I was like, that's pretty class. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. There's a website I used the time I played where it's like instead of having a character sheet, you just put everything in there, which is really handy. It's like was a it Hero Lab. Uh, I don't think it was Hero Lab. It was a different one. D&D, I'm just thinking of Hero Lab. I only know that because of the Glass Cannon podcast. Yeah. Stop acting like you know everything. <laughs> I know, yeah. I feel like, oh, man, I've listened to 53 episodes since you've told me about that. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, it's just because, well, it's obviously, like, yeah, it is It is just a lot of fun. Like, freaking first character died in it, and it was like, oh, the next episode where they were just giving so much shit to the DM about the fact that one of their characters died. It was great. Like, <laughs> That's what I like about it. They're all friends. They literally do rip the piss out of each other. Yeah, they're all very funny and everything, yeah. And yeah. Just, Joe cannot roll, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And it's a running joke, and you, like, you hear him roll. Even in Starfinder, just... he's still shit at rolling. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like, it actually does seem like it's just, like, way, way, like, like everyone else is, like, he can't seem to get above 10. It just doesn't, It like, if he does, it's like, Jesus Christ. That doesn't happen in like five episodes. <laughs> yeah, so if, if anyone has any vague interest in Dungeons and Dragons at all, I would advise uh, and so will Thomas now <laughs> listening to the Glass Cannon podcast. It's and very will... funny. It's like a 
it's like it's like an improvisational audiobook. Kind of, yeah. You described it best well, to me well, as that because the reason that it's so improvisational is that like because you're following a story, we just set out by Dungeons and Dragons, but they roll. From a guy that listens to a lot of audiobooks, listen to this. The difference is, is that because whenever they roll the dice and you hear the roll of the dice, it's the fact that <laughs> to the people at the time don't actually know what's going to happen in the same way yeah. that you don't, and it's just like yeah, sometimes no it's. How... Sorry, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you would. <laughs> uh, you owe me a soda. <laughs> but yeah, you don't. Like, it's like not only like the the. The playable characters don't know what the story is going to have in store, and the the dungeon master is going to have his own agenda. And then the the players, they know what their character's backstory is, but no one else does. So like people aren't, it's like you're never quite sure how they're going to react to certain things. There's just all these like uh, these sort of intertwining things that that adds this whole layer of spontaneity, and it's just it's, yeah, it's really cool. And there's there's also the extra layer too, where you're you're getting like the the meta as well as like if you know what i mean it's like sometimes you get the character reaction then you get like the reaction of the people playing the character and how they feel and it's like ah, it's just it's really cool it's really cool i think it's I perfect like... perfect for podcast too because it has like that's why i compared it to an audiobook because it's like as you're listening you're kind of imagining how things are going yeah and like you kind of do see the characters and stuff like that because like the only thing i know f- uh, i'm gonna say there so what I do find interesting, oh yeah, it was the last day when I was in the car and I was like, listen, because it's kind of perfect for like my commutes because it's like yeah. can be, my commute can be two to three hours for each episode an hour. So it is pretty perfect that way. But there was one and I was, um, I lost my point again. I'll bring it back. Jeez, that's mad. I forget. Oh your... yeah, that's what, that's what it was. It was that I was really into it. And then the guy rolled a dice and I think he rolled like a natural 20 and I was like, fuck off. <laughs> 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 Like pure, like I'm like yes, but like so invested in like the like oh, that's oh so good, you know, like the critical hit. Yeah, you get so into it. That's class. Yeah, because like the tables have turned. They were like pure losing a battle, and then like this is what led to the like a, like their conclusive victory. Or like if you didn't yeah. roll that critical, it would have all been over. Because then like it just did this, and they took down like the most powerful enemy, and then everything else was just kind of cleaning up. It was like this is great, but I just remember being like, fuck off. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so like, that's, a good, like, that's a good example it's like you, it's like someone will roll a 20 and you'll hear everyone in the room go like wow and then maybe the next episode they'll like recap and be like oh man that was so clutch like oh, <laughs> i thought we were gonna like there was one episode yeah. the, or the next episode they were like i thought we were gonna die i thought we were all gonna die i thought the podcast was over like <laughs> 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 oh it's brilliant but yeah, nah. So anyway, but anyone that's listening, <laughs> I, I, I have never played a tabletop RPG in my life. And Owen suggested to me the Glass Cannon podcast. And I'd never, um, I've never done this before because I was like, ah, do you want to be interested to try it? Because it always seemed interesting to me. And so then I decided to give it a listen to see what the crack was, to see, kind of get an idea of what it's like playing these games and see how it goes. And then I was like, ah, yeah, sure, give us a listen. This thing has like 240 episodes. Yeah. So I was kind of like, you know, I'll, I'll listen to like the first bit and see how I get on. That was only like three weeks ago and I'm 53 episodes in, which counts as 53 hours in. And I'm like, yeah, I'm probably going to eventually catch up to them. And it's going to be annoying because I won't have another episode for like a week. Can you hear <laughs> I didn't get any of that. <laughs> oh, did you not? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it might still be recorded though. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, I was basically just saying how like I wasn't planning to listen to like all the episodes of Glass Cannon, which is like 200 and something. But I'm 53 episodes in and I probably will. 
and, <laughs> and now I've bought like a Dungeons and Dragons manual and stuff just to give it a go. Cause... Yeah, like that's basically my experience too. It's like I was, I was like passingly interested in Dungeons and Dragons, and I started listening to that podcast, and I was like, oh my god, this is class. Um, yeah, I, I, I completely I get why it's why, why why it would be so fun. I completely like co-op cooperative storytelling is the way they described it, which I'd never even heard the term before. But I get it now after listening to it, and why yeah. it would be fun. And it's also like the from them playing, it's like there's definitely this fe- this like le- level of like uh, investment that you don't get from any kind of computer game. Like no, and the, and the like you really get to, yeah, but you also get to really experience and really have proper control over what your character says too. Like, yeah. in, if you're playing like Fallout, you can choose from a list of things to say. But in a role playing game, you can play say whatever you want, and then your DM will come up with the appropriate answer. Like, it's like way more immersive if you can get into it. Yeah. But, like, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just I was going to go on to something else if you want to. Oh yeah, no, you can go ahead. Fine. Well, I was just going to say like. I was a, I was going to like literally about to buy the the same book that you did, but then we all went into lockdown. But you you did it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I did anyway. Like yeah. book depository. <laughs> <laughs> Which I actually like because I went into the local place in town to see if they had it, and then uh, they were like, "Oh, we don't have it, but we can order it in." And then they were like, "We've got a there's actually a spot in a lo- in a game like in a couple of days time or whatever if you want to join." And I was like, "Okay then." So I actually yeah. went up playing like a like a once off game for a few hours. It was really fun. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm and hoping. I got, I got dice actually. I meant to show you last time you were here. Uh, one of the people I was playing with gave me like a few of their die. Class. So I've got like, I've got a set of die. Yeah, I actually do too because that's what comes in the starter set, which is kind of handy. Which I'm actually hoping to try and DM a night tonight for the first time ever, even really play the game. I don't know how that'll go. So it's going to be three of us sharing one set of die. Yeah, that that. Uh, hmm? Well, you could you can do it too. You know, I, I yeah, that's grand. <laughs> I yeah, was gonna yeah. say like the way um, the way they do it like with um, the on Dan Harmon, it's just the DM that does all the rules. But they're oh, doing it? a live show, so it's kind of. I think that's why. You oh, just that kind of makes sense. For it's more for yeah. efficiency's sake, but you'll all be around the table, so you can all just share. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's only gonna be three of us, and like, should be it should be grand. I'm just getting excited to do it because like it was actually Cormac's suggestion because I suggested it ages ago, and I kind of more suggested it into my group, my house group chat, being like, so I got the starter kit if anybody wants to give it a go anyway, because I like read all the rules and stuff, and then I actually bought the players the core hand rule book, which is the, you know, the bible of it, of it all like later, and then he just brought yeah. it up randomly. He was like, he was like, ah, well, sure, we're not doing anything tonight, like be interested in playing Dungeons and Dragons. He was like, you mentioned ages ago, and I was like, I sure, I'll give it a shot, and I messaged him, and he was like, oh yeah, man, I'll be done with that, and I was like, jeez, I did not expect you to be so... I, I'm i the guy that wants to do it, like, and you should both come to me with it, sort of. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy, I'm happy out. <laughs> not too bad. But, um, one thing I was going to say, what I liked in the Glasgow podcast, which I found funny, what they were doing, jeez, I'm probably going to chat about these guys too much now, and this one was, they, they have a good line they're because they're all very experienced players they know the difference between what they know and what their player knows yeah which is so interesting because i never even thought about that aspect before because sometimes something will happen like recently there was one of the episodes one of their characters became deaf during her turn but then like one of the other guys was like oh she's deaf now but then and then they were like but 
but like they were like, but my character doesn't know that because how would they know that? Because yeah. it and just happened to her. He's not going to know because like every round only lasts like six seconds. And there's he's also, not going to. Oh, there's, sorry, also, there's also like the layer of um, like say if say if you think a character's lying and you go and you do sense motive, and then you roll a one, then. Yeah. Like your character thinks they're telling the truth, but you know that you made a bad role, so they might still be lying. There's that yeah. that layer as well. Yeah, so it's like you your character has to not be suspicious of them, even though you are. Yeah. So you have to kind of, that's where like kind of the role playing comes in, I suppose. But yeah. it was you it was you showed me that video and it was interesting. I can understand entirely why if you were trying to write why Dungeons and Dragons or some kind of tabletop role-playing game could make you better at character development. Yeah. Because if you really do give it a shot and do try, you are trying to be that character in a situation and you have to react to situations and be that character. Yeah. And like it's why like the to... it's why those alignment things are useful too. Like you no know, the chaotic neutral like or chaotic evil, chaotic good, neutral, all yeah. that kind of stuff. So that you can be like, well, my character has a strong sense of morals, but he also has this whatever, and you can kind of like use that graph to be like, how would I react? Yeah, it's like a good, it's a good jumping off point of like, what yeah. type of person are they? Which is why you know, there's a perfect room in the marketplace for uh, an Irish tabletop rpg based on all of the irish folklore just is there, saying is there, there isn't a, one <laughs> is, is there a a game or sorry what did you say that again i was saying like i don't know i came up with the is idea perfect, and, a, and like, for, uh an uh, irish uh, pretty much an, uh, a tabletop rpg which is like dungeons and dragons version but using irish folk, folk folklore okay okay yeah uh, that's just like maybe if I get good, I'll try and make a bit about it. Yeah, like the the I don't even know how. Yeah, like it's kind of mad when you're listening to because you're just like, this is like a really well written story, but with so many other things that you have to account for. Like, yeah, it's like how do you even do this? <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you how do you like write a story and then balance it for? people coming along and potentially fucking it up on you yeah, yeah pretty much it and how do you like how do you deal with like i actually because i actually find it hilarious because i read on reddit today about one guy being like i uh they were playing they were playing icewind dale actually like the most that's like the newest the dungeons and dragons campaign out and they were on like the first battle and one guy by accident killed the entire party because he cast a fireball on a boat, but he rolled like a one, and because of that, it was supposed to do some kind of environmental damage. But either way, what happened was it like burned the boat, and then they all fell into the water, and they all eventually got killed or drowned. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the first, like, like the whole start of the thing, I think it was like something like they're on the boat and they first meet. And this is like proper, like the first battle. <laughs> like they all just died. Yeah, killed everyone. Yeah, just. I just killed everyone and it was over in like fucking 45 minutes to an hour and I was like fuck <laughs> <laughs> well I just ruined a night of fun can't really continue from the boat being destroyed <laughs> and I'm sure most of our listeners would have dropped so off without <laughs> yeah. 
that's still the fun of it. Yeah. Or another good intro- introduction to D and D is Harmon Quest. Yeah, I watched that too. That was that was. But that I was do think fun. like. I think like uh, the podcast is is more satisfying. Like in I, Harmon in Harmon Quest, they kind of like animate bits. But like the benefit of a podcast is like you're just picturing everything in your head, like the way like when you're reading a book, and it's way more engaging. I feel like with Harmon Quest because you are kind of watching it, but like you, it's sort of like you know you're still kind of almost like watching a TV show in a, in a way, or they yeah. animate bits. But like with the podcast, it's like you're just listening as maybe a character that died, or just as one of the friends who hasn't played before. You know, you are just sitting there. I think you're getting, like, yeah, like, Harmon Quest is a bit more of a watered-down experience where, like, listening to the podcast, I think, feel you're get, really getting the, or close to what the, the genuine experience must be. Mm. Well, you see, I think, like, not, not just even with the Glass Cannon podcast, but any good podcast that you listen to, one of the reasons you, like, listen to it is because you feel like it's you're, like, listening to two people that you know talk. And that's just yeah. a bunch of people that do know each other, and it seems like you're just listening to talks. So it's, it's kind of funny because it feels like you're a part of it without actually being a part of it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you're, you know, whenever you're watching a movie or a TV show, you are going to have that detached reality. Whenever you're reading a book, it's an entirely personal experience, and you're picturing in your head. But for some reason, in a podcast, you're listening to somebody else's experience or something, and for some reason, you still feel a part of that experience. That's, yeah. that's the way I kind of put it. In a way, yeah. that's why it's like so entertaining. Yeah, well, I think it's also just that extra level of engagement that you have to do. Like it's mm. you have to think about it. Just, you have you're to... not just watching; you're imagining. Mm. Yeah, you have to have your you have to have your mind like active in some way to perform with it. Yeah, and that's the experience of your playing as well. You'd be imagining, so it's like it's mm. a bit closer than just watching a, a an animated version. Yeah. Yeah, because the animated version is taking the kind of effort out for you. Yeah, but it's still. But I like, like I said, it would be a good. Uh, if you want to get a taste, that might be the easiest way to get into it, and then maybe try a podcast, and then try playing is, yourself. Yeah, pretty much. If you were to listen to the podcast of it, or a podcast of it, any podcast of it, and if you didn't like it, then you probably wouldn't. I'd say try a few. Like you know, you could try a couple. Like because it did take me about three episodes to get into it. But that was just me more or less figuring out kind of at least the basics. And then from yeah. on you learn more and from on you learn more kind of thing. But like once you kinda of got I once get once you kinda of got the hang of that, then it was like, Oh yeah, this is class. Yeah, that was that was my experience too. It's like I listened to the first episode and I was like, What's going on? And then like halfway through the second episode I realized I was like really engaged and I was like I still didn't quite know what was going on, but I was like invested yeah. enough to to be hooked basically yeah yeah that was the same for me i was invested enough to still keep following until i eventually like at this stage i'd reckon i'd have kind of pretty much figured it out stuff comes up or stuff happens and maybe i still wouldn't know but for the most part i've still you know for the most part i'm still in there it's it's more rare now where something might happen where and they, they are, be like they Ooh, and i'll be like too. they're what sorry they're conscious of uh of noobs as well like they, yeah they explain everything like if a new mechanic yeah. comes up they they clarify as best they can. Yeah, which then makes it easier for you to be like, oh, now I get this, and then that's what's how yeah. you go on. Anyway, I should probably move on. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That went that, that got a bit long-winded. Enough promoting another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Enough promoting. Just definitely, like, just anyone that's listening to this is going to be like, Jesus, they're fucking nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so then I want to mention we're talking about historical fiction. Uh, yeah. 
I think I brought up uh, Stephen Pressfield and the War of Art before. I remember that because I, I like the kind of turn of phrase of third of war to the War of Art. Yeah. So basically I read I read that book, but then I also like I end up reading a book he he mentioned in that book, which is first novel called uh, The Legend of Bagger Vance, which is like his take on the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> it's like the it's like a philosophical and spiritual thing told via a game of golf. <laughs> but um yeah, it's really really good. It's like it's a it is kind of historical fiction, I suppose. It's like set. It's set when it, it, it's, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's like it came out in ninety five, I think. So it's like a guy telling a story then, but he's telling a story from his youth in like the twenties. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's very good. I think uh, as I was like, when I heard about it, I was like, that sounds like a a good book for my dad. You know, he's into golf. And mm. I was like, I was like, oh, I'll get a get a bit of philosophy and spirituality into him slightly as well. <laughs> yeah, try and sneak that in there. Yeah, no, it is cool. Like, because it's not like it's just about like sort of like I don't I haven't read the Bhagavad Gita, but so I don't know how how, uh, how faithful it is or whatever. But it's just about like uh, detachment and stuff. It's like kind of more. It's like stuff to do with like your ego. Like in in um in the War of Art, one of the things you talk about is like releasing yourself, and it's like actually that was something that's in it almost exactly. It's like he says whenever he writes, he like offers up a prayer to the muses, which it's like from um is it the Iliad or one of those? Yeah, there's a prayer to the muse, and it's like he he does he says he does that before he writes. He like sits down and recites this prayer to the muses, and what that is, it's like it's like releasing what you're going to work on so you're not like invested too much like you're it's not like your ego or whatever it's um yeah detachment like i said about three times <laughs> so that's kind of what happens so you're saying it's like you're detached from it is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's kind of like what enlightenment and all that is so that's kind of where that spirituality thing comes in. It's like in the game, it's like the, the player keeps getting choked up when he's playing. And then it's like, oh, if you just detach and it's like, offer it up. And it's like, ah, it's mm. interesting. Yeah, it's, it's fun, fun book. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it sounds interesting. It sounds like kind of like stepping in like a way I would say, like say when if you were having like your life or your problems or, or you're stressed, like kind of stepping yourself away from your problems or that whole thing of like imagining yourself from like a view of a satellite or from like the view of Earth from Mars because you're detaching yourself away from your problems or your difficulties so that makes them smaller so that makes them easier yeah. to handle yeah yeah it is like that in a way yeah in a way in a way this is, this is more like it's like if you view if you view what you're doing like they were talking about in the game but he's talking in the war of already talks about as your work it's like an offering so it kind of helps you remember that it's not all about you it's like a it's a contribution. It's like I heard a quote oh, yeah. too. It's like um, all writers are. Um, it's like all writers' work are rivers that are going into the same or streams entering the same river or something. It's like that's the same kind of idea of like a. Yeah, it's kind of like taking. It's kind of t- it's trying to re- take yourself enough out of the equation to realize. Yeah. Like your work. It's kind of. Like, it's kind of like trying to put it that like your work isn't just for you, or it's like 
it's, it's like kind of trying to move arrogance or sort yeah. of from it. Like, so it's like, you know, you're not trying to write this for you or to get rich or to get famous. You're writing this yeah. for the sake of like writing the work, which is important rather than yeah, exactly. yourself. That's important. Yeah. Cause that, uh, that like, that's how you like, that's when it becomes unhealthy. It's whenever you have written this thing or whatever, or whatever you've made. And then you still have this like, expectations for it or whatever and then like if you do if it doesn't match up to those expectations then you start having like it's just whenever you feel like shit basically yeah <laughs> in, the, in, in the war of art he talks about uh th- thinking of things like hierarchy i always struggle with this word hierarchically hierarchically yeah that sounds right i i'm or, not even gonna i'm not even gonna try so i'll take your word for it yeah. <laughs> so, as if in a hierarchy but i'm trying to think of like the I'm trying to say hierarchically, I think, maybe. Hier- hierarchically? In a hierarchy. So hierarchically, yeah. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. We'll just say in <laughs> a hierarchy. That's as even hard to say. As if, as if, as if <laughs> in a hierarchy. But the way yes, you're okay. thinking is, is in a territory. So in a hierarchy, you are worried about where your status is. So you're thinking about who's below you and who's above you. Yeah, and where and that, you are in, in that position not, yeah and that's not healthy mm. but what is healthy is if you think of a territory so the example he gives is like Arnold Schwarzenegger's territory is the gym so whenever Arnold Schwarzenegger is like feeling low or whatever or just just wants to like do something he will go to the gym and that's his space and he'll be in the gym and he'll work and he'll come away feeling good He's not yeah. feeling good because he can lift a heavier thing than someone else. It's nothing to do with anyone else. It's all about the place that he goes to, to, uh, that his, that's his, reach his fucking area of expertise. Mm. What you can understand, so you like can find the comfort in that. Yeah, but he he's saying like that's it's like how you can tell too is is like say if you're feeling like shit or whatever, and your reaction is to call six of your friends to reassure you that means you're working on a hierarchy because you're caring about it's like you need other people to to make you feel good about where you're at whereas if you turn to whatever your like art is so like writing a book or writing a song or whatever mm. if you get, then that's then that's your, your territory again, that, yeah that's like a healthy relationship and that's the way it should be but then what if you do like a depression pit where you just like close your curtains and watch like a pixar movie <laughs> well, that, that that means you're um, given into resistance, and that's no good. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> that's like that's just like my ultimate like that's like my hangover day. Well, it's not necessarily yeah. a Pixar movie, but if I'm feeling very very weak, fragile, I'll usually watch like you know something. I'll you know if you know you can have a hangover where you're just like oh, I'm feeling physically rough, yeah, and that's fine. You can do whatever like, but if you're hanging have having a hangover where you're feeling mentally rough. That's whenever I usually watch, like, you know, something that I know is going to end well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is still probably resistance. In yeah, a way. No, I, I do that on, like, a, I usually, like, on a Sunday, I'll watch, like, a couple of movies because I'll usually have a drink on a Saturday. Mm. But, like, yeah, that's okay. But, like, because um, you have to give yourself breaks as well. But yeah. the, whole, the whole thing of War of Art is about identifying resistance and then overcoming resistance. So it's like mm. the way the first part is all about resistance and it's like identifying that. And then the second part is about turning pro is how he puts it. And it's like, basically there's two, there's two reactions to every situation. It's like the amateur move or the professional move and the professional move is always like to do the work. And then yeah. the third one is like the higher realm. And that's where he like starts talking about muses and stuff, but that's actually quite, 
inspired into it's like by the end of the book you're just like jeez i can do this <laughs> but, yeah, yeah uh, it's one of those things where it'll it'll kind of stick with you kind of thing yeah but do you remember um the last time we recorded i was talking about like uh i was feeling like really depressed mm. he base he described exactly how i felt in this book oh wow that's amazing yeah and it's because it's like if you keep giving in to resistance Basically, it's like you feel like shit because you are not doing what you know you should be doing. But that's the problem. It's like you get into this loop. It's like, well, I'll talk personally. I'm sure it's it must be fairly universal whenever he wrote about it in the book too. But mm. it's like I get it's like I feel down. So then I feel like I can't create. So then I'm like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. And then it just you just end up with this like, constant loop. And it's like, oh, I'm not I'm not feeling well enough to do it. So I can't do it. Blah, 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 and then you just get stuck. But if you just sit down and make yourself, even, even like I found it can just be like doing 15 minutes worth of work a day, and then but and then come the next day, I can work way better. It's like it's, once you beat that resistance one time, the next day yeah. is so much easier, and vice versa. If you, if you give in date again, the next day it's so much worse. Like yeah. I think it was last week, I had my journal open and I knew in my head. That just writing something and it was gonna make me feel better. But I sat staring at it for ages. I just could not make myself start for whatever reason. And I just but I just sat there with it open until I did. And then I wrote like five pages, I think. And then I was like, I feel good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even today, I like I was definitely encountering resistance the last couple of days because yesterday morning I like woke up and then ended up just like lying back in bed <laughs> for like another three hours. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I woke up and just did nothing, and I was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> and then today I was like having really hard bothers again, and like because I say I finished that short story, so yeah. I like finished the first draft, and I had like maybe a page worth on the type up today. So like the first, basically the first edit, and I had like one page left to do maybe, and I was just like, oh, "I don't, I can do any of this," but then I just like was like. I was like, just type it up. Even if you type it up exactly and you don't do any editing, just do it. And then I did that. Yeah. And it felt really good. And then I ended up finishing a drawing that I started on Wednesday as well. And I felt even better. And then I was like, okay, I'm back, baby. <laughs> Here we but go. Yeah. But yeah, that book is fantastic. Just because it like spells out everything that you need to motivate you in a really... Yeah, and but really not even that spells out everything that you need to motivate you. It's just that it also how do I put it? It's like it's because because it, it kind of shows you what you need to fight or like what is going against you. Yeah. Do you know, like kind of a way. I think I mean? it also has the benefit of like I'll sometimes think that uh, like I know that uh, I I should be making a song, for example, mm. and I know that that'll make me feel better. But it's like, if I only have my own word to go on, it's almost easier to not do it. Whereas if I have it in a book that says the exact same thing, I can be like, well, this must actually be true because this guy wrote a book about it. Yeah, you know that's I mean? true. It's like, it's like that extra like thing that makes it fact instead of just being like, well, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you will because you will always doubt yourself. No matter what, especially with stuff like that, you will 100% always doubt yourself. But if somebody says, no, this is true. Because I remember that whenever... Um, I think I've definitely said it before in a podcast. Remember, I seen Blind Boy in the L Y A T, and 
and I wrote to him a question being like, how did it feel whenever somebody was, told you that you were depressed? It was last podcast. But... Was it in the last one? Oh, well, yeah. I was going to repeat enough. <laughs> Damn, if it wasn't even just the last one, it would be fine. I must have said yeah. that when I was drunk well, you, too. You can get to get to the... You can. You well, can, the whole point was he had yeah. a confirm for him and then I had a confirm for me and you felt a lot better about yourself because confirmed. Because it, uh, was yeah. not, it wasn't something that you were thinking of in your head. It was something that was confirmed in your head. It was something that you knew rather than something that you thought. It was something that was fact or something that could have been fiction. Yeah. I'll skip over it and then. It was just the last one. <laughs> I gotta find... Well, no, that's all right. I gotta, I gotta find new stuff to talk about. <laughs> Uh, that's okay. It just means that you don't have to tell the whole story again. <laughs> you can just yeah, that's yeah. just go to the point. Go to the punchline. Yeah. I think I did. I know. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think that's most of what I want to talk about. Actually, I think that's most of what I want. To... I haven't really, like because I don't have any like TV shows or movies because I don't have any of that. Because really, I've been trying to read a lot more or just listen to more audiobooks or just kind of relax. Uh, yeah. Trying to like stress a week, but it'll be better and not stress better. Actually, on the podcast, I'll say I started counseling again this week, last of last Tuesday. Oh, yeah, that'll be that was, big. That was something we were talking about on the last episode, I think. Yeah, I think uh, I was um, thinking that I was thinking of where mental health wise, and yeah, I decided to finally take the dive and I did my first counseling session last Tuesday at like seven o'clock. That was something that I that was something I wanted to actually ask you about is okay. how you like got into all of that because i think that's something that could be worth people knowing it's because like, last episode you were talking about uh, being on antidepressants i think yeah so um, just like how like how do you if you're if someone's listening and they think that they might need that what should they do just go to the doctor or like the first thing you can do is just go to your GP. Now, GP will I can prescribe you antidepressants, but what a lot of GPs can also do is they like a lot of GPs, or if you find to be a good GP, which I'd say you probably will in Ireland, is they will probably counselors recommend to you. Um, in Ireland, I the waiting list. You're going to be with a waiting list for three months if you go to a free service. But at the same time, you know we're still very lucky to have a free service. That's just the only reason you're going to be waiting three months is because they're busy, unfortunately. Um, which you can go to like there's many places like Jigsaw and pay a house and like a lot of people like this is one of the main things that like people trip people trip people up that are like depressed and all is like a lot of people would see it as like if you're depressed and like you know you must be suicidal and you should only go with cancer if you're suicidal it's like that's not true you should go anyway and it could possibly prevent you from ever getting that far which is a great thing but um, I decided to go online to this thing called Bark. But it's hard. I know it's hard. Uh, it is very hard. It's hard. So like, it, it's like, I notice myself, it's like, if I'm feeling really shitty, I'd be like, oh man, I should really like go get help or something. But then if you're feeling shitty, you don't want to do it. And then once you feel better again, you're like, oh, I don't need to anymore. Well, <laughs> so well, you just end up never doing it. But like one thing I can say is, you know what's interesting is, say if you're, say one of those days that you're feeling better, yeah. Book, a do- book a doctor's appointment and you'll feel a lot more at ease talking to them and be like sometimes, yeah. sometimes I get die and sometimes I get this and I can think like this and I can feel like this and they will be a lot better because like it's another thing of like asking the expert like it's another thing like, yeah. you're you're referring to that book The War of Art and it's like you know about how do, it's almost like a guide on like what is dampening your creativeness and it's almost like a bible you could go to for it well, like a doctor or yeah. a psychologist or counselor that, could be one for your head. Like, 
Well, that's actually what I meant to say about that book too. Like his whole thing is like basically if you are doing what your creative kind of purpose is, not even your creative purpose, just whatever you're like put here to do, then you will be happy. It's like he kind of talks about like if you, it's like if people, everyone just did their creative thing, they're like, then there'd be no use for advertisements and uh, no one would be able to like prey on our weaknesses or anything everyone would just be like really satisfied complete human beings so it's, like, <laughs> quite, like, it's quite like noble <laughs> yeah i get what you mean it's like everyone would it would it would all work out in such a way that we would all be fine yeah we you wouldn't know? have any of those insecurities or doubts or anything we'd just be doing what we're here for and all it's like it's quite inspira- inspirational <laughs> but um if get back to say how do that uh, one thing I will say is that it is really very, very hard. But I suppose for me, whenever I first started going, it was because of suicidal. I'd recently like, attempted that point. And one of the things that was necessarily easy to see me with what my, somebody said to me was, like, you know, if you're willing to try and go with that extreme to try and take your own life, then you're willing to go and try and talk to somebody, which sounds ridiculous. But if, like, if you want to try and do that extreme, you should at least be willing to try. If you, like if you find it scary to go and talk to someone, then you should. Uh, it's still gonna be scary to do the other things, and you should still go and try and do this. But I would just recommend just if yeah. you're thinking about it, if you even have once considered maybe I should go, just go because at the end of the day, like it would great. Imagine you went to do a counselor, and you know what? You don't need my service. You're fine. You'll great that day walking out. Yeah. You would feel fantastic. You would walk out with. Fucking, fucking, nothing to bother. You'd be like, "This is great. I know that I'm okay." Unfortunately, for I would wager ninety nine point nine percent of people, that will not happen. Which just also shows. Well, yeah. Well, like it's it's a it's a win win. It's either you go, you come out, and they're like, "Actually, you're sweet." Yeah. Or you come out and be like, "Here's how to be better." Yeah. It's actually oh, it's like oh, either oh, you're fine, you're not depressed, or here you are depressed, but here's you know, not like it won't be a magic touch or a magic switch yeah. or a magic word it'll be like oh you are depressed and here I will help you how to deal with it and how to possibly get out of that so that maybe you won't need these services someday which has happened to me so this is my third time going into counseling services but I have came out of it twice as well yeah. you know I, I just understand it right now at this point I feel that I need it I need the extra help which yeah. is no shame but I won't hopefully I won't need it for the rest of my life Hopefully, I yeah. should be able to help myself. But sometimes, sometimes you just need a little bit of help. Well, it's the same as if yeah, you need, too, if every... you need, if you need, if you're sick, you go to a doctor, and it's just, it's just for your head. Yeah, and like every single person on the planet can benefit from some kind of counseling or whatever. Yeah, I, I think, reality. I think, I, I genuinely think, like in schools, it should be like one class a week you have that you just like to go to a counselor. I just think that, like, because especially because if you learn these things early on, it would teach you how to deal with stuff easier later on in life. But also just because it's just because it, as you're saying, I just don't think it, it could not provide a benefit. It could take away from you, if you know what I mean, if it's on Yeah. So that's my advice, folks. Get counseling, play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm asked about that thing, but yeah, no. But I understand what you mean. It is. I will say that, but it was incredibly hard. 
Which is why I then hope that even just saying this, if somebody was to hear me like, ah, well, like, you know, that somebody saying because that was a, as I'm saying, I don't want to repeat myself with a blind boy hearing, you know, something like Blind Boy, who is, I think he describes himself as a C-list celebrity. <laughs> yeah. Him say something like this it was very touching and powerful to me. As a young Irish lad, like, you know, this is like the guy who's, you know, he's still blind boy for bandits. He's still like, you know, he's got this great podcast and all now. But to hear him say something like that, something, you, you don't know, like, you can, I'm sure, I'm sure you can understand what I mean. That kind of like. Yeah. I'm not explaining as well. <laughs> well, it's like what we're, we've said before, it's kind of what we want to do here anyway, is just like. I hope for someone to hear it and feel better about themselves or go get help. That would be yeah. like. Like, like, better than advertising for Anchor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just um, I don't know. I made a note after the last one. I thought it'd be worth. I don't know. I just I don't. I never really hear talked about how like what to do exactly if you are like it's mm. all, it's like you know there's numbers to call and all, but what what are like the proactive steps to to go, going into counseling or getting the medication you need or whatever. Well, like for so getting I the medication, be, definitely. I just thought it'd be good to, to talk about well, that. One thing else that was interesting, which, because of course I did to start, like the first time I ever got prescribed antidepressants was like, I took them. Antidepressants will initially cause an anxious reaction because that's why I say if you're depressed and you're like, you're feeling low, even chemically, um, then all of a sudden your body starts getting like the dopamine or serotonin or whatever again and it starts feeling the body will actually initially have like panic attacks as a natural reaction mm-hmm. so uh, at the start whenever you get your presence a lot of times you will be given like sex or something as an, as an anti-anxiety to do with it but the difference is like something yeah. like they will give you a very short term about this because obviously hide of properties and also if you're depressing you're anxious and anti-anxiety is a very addictive possibility but they usually give it to you, so, say, for the first week, but your anxiety could last longer than a week, and you might need a long prescription. Or what actually happened to me before, uh, recently, was I was taking I was taking 50 milligrams sertraline, and that was making me anxious. And weirdly enough, I had to start taking 100 milligram sertraline, and then that was enough that I stopped having an anxious reaction to the antidepressant. So, therefore, I stopped mm. being... So it did affect my head and the fact that I did feel less depressed, but increased my anxiety. But then the increase in dosage. So see, that's the unfortunate thing of there is a wee bit of trial and error at the start. So that can be scary for people, but that's something, unfortunately, you kind of have to go through. But then at the outside of it, it's like you could feel a wee bit worse. You could get luck and feel better on the first try. But then on the outs- on the other side of it altogether, you will feel better. But the important mm-hmm. thing is, is whenever this happened to me and I first took antidepressants and then I started getting anxious, is I just refused to tell my doctor pages. Mm-hmm. And I told them, I, you know what I mean? Because you just, because you kind of don't know. And then, but then also luckily, like I did see like medicinal chemistry and also biopharmaceuticals and stuff in college. Kind of knowing even on a chemical level, how this affects your body, how that affects your body. You, you, you just like, you just have to get to a point where you, if you don't like talking to your GP like this, go find another GP that you do like to talk to about and say to them, like, this is making anxious, this is making me this, this is making me that. That's what I did with my last GP. It was like, well, all right, so you're, feel, you're, st- so you're still feeling anxious from this? And I was like, yeah, so I've been taking it for a month, still pretty anxious. 
first week was fine because it was on the Xanax, but I'm pretty anxious. And he was like, all right, well, we're going to try to, uh, he was like, right, so for your next prescription, dosage, I'll double it. And he said, sometimes the body can't have that reaction where it's, it's getting the chemical it needs, just not getting enough. So then it kind of causes a panic kind of because of it. And then eventually I was getting enough and it stopped all of the panic altogether. That's just generally why it happens. That's, and then, so that's how it would be for the antidepressants. And then for the counseling, um, so you can ask your GP for counselors. You can do, I actually recently used this thing called Bart.com in Ireland. I pretty much got a response from six different counselors who are supposed to be specialized in my type of. Type of uh, the service that I would require on mine would be depression, hopelessness, and kind of uh, anxiety. And then they got back to me on that. And, and you can. Sorry. And uh, do, do you need to have a diagnosis before you use that? or what, how does Oh, that sorry. Uh, no, you don't. Because you can just, you know, you can just say that you're feeling down. You can say that you're feeling hopeless. You can say, like, like, don't, like, don't ever be afraid walk into a concert and explain how you're feeling and they will be able to give it to you better and the funny thing is is like if you are one of those people afraid of being like which is what i was ages of being like you're not depressed i'm fine i have friends i have family i have supports or have this or have that you literally have to question whether you're depressed or whether or not you need help the funny thing is is that you probably do if you if you're trying to convince yourself that you're not something you are if you're trying to convince yourself, it's like, yeah. no, I'm happy. No, I am happy. I am happy. I'm okay. I'm not depressed. I'm not depressed. I tell yourself I'm not depressed. I'm sorry to tell you, you're probably blessed. And if yeah, you want to, you know what I mean? You wouldn't question yourself. Yeah, it's like, if you're if you're trying to convince yourself, like, like if you're trying to be like, well, I have this, therefore I can't be sad or I can't. You know that's not how it works. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. It's not like a mathematical formula, like a plus b equals c, two plus two equals four. It's not like, uh, freaking, like good job, good car equals happy. It's like no. You technically, sure. I don't have a good job. But I'm not happy in this. <laughs> have a good yeah, job, but I'm not happy in this. <laughs> if that was the case, all Buddhist monks would be depressed because they all have nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why I won't join them, depressed bastards. Now, that's like, <laughs> but, no, actually, I actually never thought about that before because like, I suppose I was lucky in the first semester of counseling that I was in the IT and the counseling services for So I just was able to go in. But I also didn't like that counselor. So that put me off counseling for about three to four years. And then I went back when I was in MIG there recently. And uh, Jesus, I loved the counselor I had there. She was just, she was just fantastic. She was just, she was just completely. Um, she just had an understanding of me very quickly, which obviously showed the caliber of, that she was. That she was able to stuff almost like what I was thinking or the feeling uh, before I was even saying it. It was very like me to get that. Now the counselor had my own session with her, but I do feel like that she's going to be as well. But like that's another thing that people don't realize is that like you do say if you go to counseling, you don't like it, do try a different counselor. There you will. It usually will only take you like two to three tries, and you'll find one that you like. But if find a good customer, which you should pretty quickly. Usually, you just do need one because they will. 
if they're good and they're a well-trained counselor, they will know what they need to say and they will know like sort of what they, they will know if you need passion and they will know if you need like to be kind of set straight or if kind of funny. because like uh, even the counselor recently one thing as was we got on the first session was she's also a cancer survivor as well as am I and she had it a lot worse than I did but she told oh, me man. that she went to counseling whenever she had cancer and she was like obviously the person just gave it for compassion and that counselor that she had at the time had also been a cancer survivor because there's an understanding wow. there but what the amazing thing is is she was like of course anybody in that situation just needs compassion like any counselor should know that you don't need to keep your head up you know you don't need, to, you don't need in that situation keep your head up and all be fine you need to okay you know things happen this will be fine you don't need a calming influence whereas sometimes depending on what you're going yeah. through you will actually Calming influence, you'll need to keep the cop on. You do know you need to set yourself straight. You do need to do this. You do need to do that. You know, you need you do need to get up. You know, some people, but like a good counselor will figure out what you respond to pretty quickly. But just go look online. Look in Ireland, there's plenty of free services. If you're going for a free service, be prepared for the wait, but at the end of the day, that's still not that bad. Because then also that's something you have to wait for. And I swear to God, I've right. On Tuesday is the day that my car broke down. I had to go and rent a car first, and it was stressful as shit. I was like, "Am I?" I was actually looking up. Am I gonna have to get a bus to Athlone and stay in Athlone for the night? And then I got the rental car. I was like, "Fuck! I have like no money. I'm, I've, I supposed to my council session at five, and I had to ring her and be like, "I'm sorry. Like we're gonna have to reschedule." My car broke down. Fuck! 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 Like you know, like really, like. Really like stressful day at work, stressful, just you know, really, really intense stress. I think she was like, Look, what was going to 6.45? I talked to her for an hour. I swear, I haven't felt uh, that good in about a month. And that was after one of the most right. stressful days I've had. Like, that's one hour of conversation. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be a lot more open to it because I've done it before. And that's one thing she was kind of I've done it before. I was like, I have. And that's one of the things. One of the things that's so, so like thing about going to counseling is you know because like there's there's even like a legal thing there that they cannot break this confidentiality that they have with you or like they get in trouble, yeah. and so you do like you do have this openness that you don't realize that you have. Now you can have like a big amount of openness with your friends, your family, but sometimes never that openness. Can completely cut off and boxed off. It's like a, a human journal that can talk back to you. There's yeah. a very there's a very freeing thing about it that can make you feel better. And putting these anxieties, these 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 depressions out there, and actually, breaking them down for you can make you feel so good. And actually, that kind of ties back to the videos I seen. I was watching where the guy was analyzing the um. Goodwill hunting therapy scenes, like he talks about that. Those kind of like, like if you're um, thinking that it might be beneficial, like watching those videos could actually make you help you make up your mind because it just talks about all that stuff, like what the therapist is there for and everything, and like what the it's the channel's called My Little Thought Tree. If you want to look it up, anyone put that. I must remember that. Well, you should probably watch the movie first. <laughs> no, you should face the movie first. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, it's like, yeah. 
just as another maybe more tangible thing to what you're talking about there. Like I went on a bit of a spiel there, but just I am very adamant that I just do think people should go get it. As you say, I never thought before, but it's yeah. true. It is a win-win. There's there's not a downside that can come from it. Like, just, <laughs> no. just like there's not really a downside about going to the doctor. Like The downside would be that you, you find that you're sick or you're ill, but that's still a plus because you should know if you're sick or you're ill. <laughs> and if not, then they go clear then you're yeah. It's like the only possible downside would be is like if you feel like shit and then you go and then they tell you you're grand, but like that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, if they do, you see, if that situation arises, to to someone go to a different counselor and then they will. I don't know you should hopefully find someone pretty quick that's like, yeah, that's not how you should feel. You know, like that would be somebody not doing their job. <laughs> Although, like you can, you do hear like we were talking about the. I was on about the podcast where the guy had OCD mm. and I was saying like he went to a counselor who didn't help. So like if that happens, just go to another one because there's different yeah, that, styles and stuff like, and you know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But particularly now because there's like, there's, there's CBT, which is no cognitive behavioral therapy. And then there's now a newer version of that, which has become more popular, ACT, I think, which is acceptance committal therapy, I think. Which is like, it's like an advancement of uh, like CBT, which is more about like... Yeah, there's more, a lot more, of different versions. Now too, of it, and then there's there's like, like an emotional one. Yeah, exactly. And But you see, well, some of those, like for even like OCD itself, like CBT is supposed to be like almost curative to it. It went not properly. Like there's like, which is how effective that is. But just CBT for like OCD, like it's also effective other stuff. But like that's how... You, if you, but if you go to a counselor that isn't CBT trained with OCT, then you mightn't be you wouldn't be able to get that. But that's the same as like trying to go to a GP whenever you need like maybe say some surgery. They can't do that. <laughs> you need to go to a surgeon. You don't need to go to a GP. Yeah, yeah. But I know a GP exactly. were afraid to a surgeon, but that's the kind of way I'm putting it. Well, it's like you you go to a specialist and stuff like. For yeah, I went to an oncologist. I went to a urologist. Kind of stuff like that. I went to a big dickologist. No, did he tell you why? why did he ask you why? Why are you, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> I got you. <laughs> no, he raped me. No, he raped me with big dick. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <But>, um... <laughs> uh, no, nah, he didn't. I yeah. asked for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was completely consensual role play. <laughs> Backdoor tabletop role playing games. <laughs> Hector the Well Endowed. Oh, and that's not just the last name. <laughs> do you remember? Do you know that reference? No, I do not. Community when they're playing D and and that's the name of the character that Abed made for Troy. But then Annie picks it up instead, and she has to role play being Hector the Well Endowed, and she seduces the the. The barmaid or something? Oh no, I can't remember that one at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, uh, if anyone listening got that reference, then you got well a point. Dust, <laughs> <laughs> pat yourselves on the back. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think will we wrap things up. I suppose so. We've been going long yeah. enough anyway. It was good to be back. It's good to be back. I enjoyed this. This is just like my counseling session, except for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a, 
I think I brought up uh, Pete Rollins in our last podcast. It's like I was a joke like when he when he was on Pete Holmes. It's like Pete Holmes just keeps saying it's like this is for free. <laughs> it's like all yeah. these like deep like revelations. Like people, it's like people could listen to this for free. <laughs> But uh, and that that that's what ours is on a very minor scale. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, like I think it's kind of fitting that we just went back into the four lockdown up here and like, well, you you're in. What did you say you're in a? And we're in like an enhanced level, level three, which is just bullshit. Right, like, it should just be 3, level like three point like five. The, yeah, like, what's the point of making up five levels and then making up a three point five on the fly for some reason, like? But yeah, it's kind of fitting that now we're back into these like heightened lockdowns and this that just so happens to be the time that we start talking again because like it is this is when we need these things. Like yeah. this is when I need to have a conversation like this. I'm yeah. sure and this is, people and this listening the want to have these kind of comforting things as well. And it's the same for me. And and if actually I'll even say for people that are wondering of being like, Oh shit, I'm in lockdown. How the fuck am I supposed to be going to a counting session? I did mine over a Zoom call. Yeah. And I still felt fucking fantastic of what should be like such a horrible, stressful day in my life, which it was, but I still felt fantastic afterwards. <laughs> yeah. There's this so, thing I've been thinking about even just the last couple of days of like, it's like, I know this, like, this is all like this year is really shit, but I, I started thinking, it's like, see, when this is over, I'm going to feel like I can do anything. Yeah. It's like, like nothing's gonna be once we get out of this shit, and we will get out of it, because that's that's just how the world fucking works. We go through these plagues and all these things. They happen. Like unfortunately, it will happen again sometime, but just hopefully not in our lifetime. <laughs> but once we come out of this, we will have it in the bag. We'll be like, yeah. we did that. Who cares if my car broke down? I fucking was yeah. in lockdown for, like, you know what I mean? It's like just thinking about things like that, and it's like, hmm. yeah. Or just like even like, be... but even if like even taking off like a car breakdown, say if you were like, oh shit, I gotta go. Say after this, you were like, oh shit, I gotta go somewhere and like live and like work or do something there for six months, and I won't have any like won't know many people or something. You'd be like, I, at the same time, I had to stay in my house fucking for like six months. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've done this before, and but at least there, whenever I go there, I'll be able to go outside and do shit because we're not in a pandemic. You know, there's yeah. still that kind of a, a a fortitude you have to give to yourself as well, like. Yeah, but um, yeah. So we didn't do any of the like the usual album of the week or whatever during the live ones, and I mm. had a I had a different uh, album in mind up until like a half hour or so before we started recording. So I decided I'm going to throw you a complete curveball, and my album that I'm recommending for this podcast is Dua Lipa. <laughs> <laughs> Her album that came out this year, Future Nostalgia. I've listened to it like over the last three days, like once a day, and it's class, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> what? I I don't know, <laughs> and I think it's like perfect, the perfect uh, antidote <laughs> to what we were just chatting about. If you are feeling depressed, put that album on. And is is this great. what? What one is this? What one is this? Is this Undia? No, what is this? What what break break my no? What's what what's, yeah, what? Yeah, break is my heart is on it. Uh, what's what's the name of the album? Future Nostalgia. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> it's really good. I actually think that you should uh, listen to it, and I want to talk about it next week. Do like a deeper dive, just for the crack. Yeah, that's fair enough. Because I was going to make I was gonna I, make a joke there and be like, death certificate, fucking ice cube or something, but like, <laughs> it's just like even more of a curveball. But like. I like, 
Because I keep I kept hearing her on the radio, and then I started jotting away. It's like you know, I actually really quite like this Dua Lipa, this this young Dua Lipa lady. Who, so I was who like, is she? Gonna... Dua, Dua Lipa. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna check out that album, and I was just like, this is class. <laughs> and it's got some of the the best bass lines I've ever heard. <laughs> that's unreal. That's class. Yeah, it's just really good pop music, and it's the 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 title is really fitting, future nostalgia because it's like, it's drawn on nostalgic things. Like some songs sound like really eighties, other songs sound like nineties house. Uh, there's so, like there was a moment in one song where I was like, that sounds like Britney Spears. It's yeah. like taking taking all these best bits of like the last couple of decades of pop music but also updating them in a really cool way and it's like mm. there's like a nostalgia there is that nostalgia but there's also like a timelessness and like a an updating and it's just really fun i think my favorite song was uh damn it can i remember now hang on but even listen to the first the first track i think is a really good kind of idea of what future uh, nostalgia don't start now. Cool, physical, levitating. Pretty please. Pretty please. I think is my favorite. Alright. It's I'll just it really. Lesson. It's like I find it so funny when you see me be driving to work and back from work now. You can't not. It can't not improve your mood. Like it's so good. <laughs> and the production is really good on it. Really like polished and everything. And it's just really satisfying. And that one, pretty please. It's like a bit more uh, mellow, and it's kind of like uh, it's a bit uh, a bit raunchy. But it's also really fun too. It's like the, it, at the end, it gets all kind of glitchy and weird. And it's just like, this is just, I just like every time I listen to that one, especially, I just got a big smile on my face. It's like, this is just a lot of, lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good song. Like, it's just like, yeah, it's just, it just fills you with joy for some reason. Yeah. But like, there's a lot, there's like, there's like the few songs I'd heard before. Don't Start Now. I knew that one. Break My Heart. I knew that one. Um, I think there might have been another one. Physical, possibly. Physical. I don't know when I, when, I listen, or... when I listen to it. There's a couple of ones I recognize, but then even all the other, like the deeper cuts, are all just really good and really fun. So uh, I'm gonna probably be listening to it uh, for the okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll and, try. Yeah. I'll try and give this a listen then this week. Yeah, I want to see what you think because yeah. I had something completely different in mind that I've been meaning to talk about since like April when it came out. <laughs> but that's too late. Yeah, it's just because I've listened to it, like, I listened to it today, and I listened to it yesterday, and I listened to it the day before, I think, and I was just was, like, really surprised how much I loved it. Mm. A nice wee, it's a nice wee, a nice wee shocker, kind of, like, just of, like... I didn't even know it came out this year. Well, yeah, it says 2020, so it must have. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that, I just looked, I just looked up, and I was like, this is our last one, I'll give this a listen, and it was uh-huh. just like... Oh, okay. oh, this is actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it's cool. I really like what she's doing. Like there, like there's definitely she's definitely got appreciation for these different styles of music. Like I think is it maybe don't start now, and it like has like that those nineties like oh, there's just like these references that you like when you're listening you pick out to be like oh that's kind of like this and that's kind of like that or whatever. Uh, it's got a, I don't know, I think I've said it, said enough. 
I've only listened to it three times, so it's not even like that ingrained, but it's just yeah. enough to be like, this is fun. Yeah, yeah this is a good. It's, it. it's a, yes, this is a good album. Um, I, I, I that will be ingrained, like. Yeah. So I'll keep listening to it, and you can give, give it a couple lessons, and we'll. And we'll uh, discuss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, and uh, yeah, I think we'll just finish because I usually do a track as well, and I hadn't, I didn't do that in any of the live recordings. Hmm. Call them live, you know. It's like just me and you in the same room is what I mean by live yeah it wasn't an audience like yeah. <laughs> but uh enemies album we've been talking had its 10th anniversary back in June and I meant to include one of their songs but we again we didn't do it so I'm gonna finish off with I think their song Fierce Pit Bosses because yeah that sounds uh pretty fitting to be honest yeah which is my band Fierce Pit Bosses yeah. <laughs> Anyone that didn't get that reference there, check out Fierce Pit Bosses. Particularly the song Enemies or the yeah. enemy song Fierce Pit Bosses. <laughs> Our song Enemies isn't out yet. There oh, might be a version out. online actually. I think there is I think there might be a live version somewhere on. Hmm. But uh Yeah, so <laughs> Should I tell the story of how we're called Fierce Pit Bosses and then in turn tell the story of okay, so we're called first Bosses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, maybe go that like, way. Yeah, me and Aaron, it was like we. I think we just decided to start a band, and we hadn't even like started yet. But we went to see them at their last ever gig, and this is Aaron's favorite enemy song, and his his idea to call us that. And then I think, yeah, I think we. Ha- I don't think we'd even decided at that point, but we went to their gig, their last ever gig. And we were like, oh, we're starting a band. And we got all our permission. And then, like, the next day, we were kind of like, I guess that's what we're called now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been, also, it's been kind of gifted to us. Yeah, it was just like, oh, well, that's it now. But it's kind of fitting, I felt like, because they were ending and we were starting. And it's like, I don't know. I also, I'm just a fan of Irish in general, which is yeah. why every episode I try and pick an Irish track. But, um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we also found out yeah. why they were called Fierce Pit Bosses was they were on tour in America and some someone was just like, are you going to the gig tonight? And it's like, oh, they're the Pit Bosses. And then that was it. And they didn't know what it meant or anything. They were just like, okay, that's... <laughs> they just remembered that phrase and wrote a song. So we've got like, we've got our origin story and then we've got like their origin story. <laughs> so we've got origins stories. Uh, yeah, so I'm just going to Usually we come back because I've got more stuff to talk about, but I think I'm just going to put it on at the end as like the outro song. So good luck. <laughs> bye. Or should we do the outro thing? Bye, 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 bye. All right. I'll see you later. Do you have a mental <laughs> <laughs>